0: you're listening to oh hey heather tell me a story real stories real experiences by real people i hope you enjoy oh hello i uh i have been just sitting here having the most simple relaxing morning and then i began to reflect on how appreciative i am that I have slowed down enough to recognize that. And from there, all of these thoughts started to spur that got my mind in that tizzy of, okay, now I need to just talk. And I just so happened to be by myself. So here I am in my closet (laughs) talking to myself. And first I actually got a good night's sleep, almost too much sleep. We went to bed early and, uh, I'm off today, but I still got up with my husband as our normal routine would have gone. Only he left and I didn't. And uh, also shed a little tear that he had to do that because it would have been much more funner if he got to stay home. But as we shall, that money needs to be made. So I'm sipping on coffee and I decided to log into work anyway to get some reviews and things done that I needed to get done at the end of the year, just so I can get that out of my brain. And I just noticed... Well, first of all, I always, for whatever reason, I like to play 80s, mellow, chill gold music, you know, like... uh, Air Supply, and Debbie Gibson, and... uh, Shoot, what else? Foreigner, and... Even some of the little hip hop culturey club stuff, because just I don't know, just playing in the background gets me in the mood, gets me thinking, gets me creating, and I think it's funny because I'm down there building it out. Of course, my kids are all still in bed, as uh, teenage young men would do, and it's just been a chill morning. And then I noticed the animals in my yard, which we we're in suburbia, but we still take care of the birds and the squirrels and. They're jumping through the trees that are all bare, and this winter morning, everything's white. The sunrise was gorgeous and pink and purple, and you could see, like, silhouettes of the squirrels jumping around and frolicking, and they're playing along to music that just seems to be the right, like, past and uh and... <laughs> I know that's silly, but I'm just sitting there looking at that sunrise and that beautiful light, and I'm thinking, what a peaceful morning. Nice, hot coffee, right temperature, right flavor... And I randomly just started thinking about behavioral changes in people when you make decisions and how that reflects the the goal you want to have. And I know that's like a mouth jarble. So I started reflecting back on all the cool customers and clients and business owners and their colleagues and their, all these, I have had the most fortunate life of career that was just one thing to the next by making decisions on my own. And with, of course, the input and advice and support of others and the observations of others and their behaviors. And, you know, I always give it credit to all the other jobs I've had that actually did work with behavior, meaning, you know, being a security officer, third shift casino, uh, being a juvenile home, uh, youth service worker is what they used to call it, and helping and having that life of going in not knowing what is going to happen to your day and you could become physically entangled with someone or you could have a great day braiding hair and making stories and watching TV and really seeing these kids be kids. It it, it all depended. You never knew what you were going into. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's my... I, I don't know. This thing that happens where people just feel free to talk to me. Like, I I present this trusting energy that allows people to come forward and just chit chat and we learn so much from each other on a deeper level and then we go about our business and I don't think nothing of it because heck everybody's got funky stories when you get down and start talking to people it is hilarious that's why I'm like I have to start talking to people and recording it like I talk to people all the time but I always think man they would be a good person to sit on this very closet floor and chit chat with me and tell a story or wherever we meet to talk Usually it's on a couch together, but one thing leads to another thing that can make things work or not. And it's all by understanding. I'm trying to think of an example. Let me think of an example. Okay, here's one. There once was a company that I knew of, that I helped, and they used to create a uh, one-for-one like if you volunteered somewhere they would in return give you an hour off for every hour you volunteered if it was an approved volunteer event so it's not like you're going to say hey I did this and then they're like okay here here's an hour it's like no we have this one scheduled we're going to need to fill eight spots you know this is what you wear this is how long you'll be there and it's all ready go and then they would do the one-for-one And, you know, through our pandemic and world and HR changes, which by the way, HR is right there with education. Like if you want to look at an industry that has become, uh, yeah, put HR right there with mainstream media. Jeez Louise. I know so many HR people that are like, I admire so fully because I'm like, how, how do you get through this? Oh my gosh. And it's getting through it because they're making all the changes at the very top of what HR is supposed to be by legal law. And then every business has to institute it. And it's bullshit. Like, there's so stupid things. So anyway, they had to take away that one for one and make it scheduled hours if you were non-exempt. Okay? (laughs) And if you were exempt, you can work it out on your own if you want, but you're basically just doing it. Well, the argument is, well, you should just want to volunteer. We shouldn't have to, they shouldn't have to pay people to go do good. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can see HR theory about it because they want that clean, like, punch in, punch out. We're not going to do this other thing on the thing because then that's another thing. So I... I see where the HR law is coming from, but the HR law that's making this stuff trickle down into small companies that were actually kicking butt and taking names are affected because they actually do it, know it, and understand it. So, even though while I agree people should volunteer out of the bottom of their hearts, it's the same successful campaign that has worked for the Blood Cross or Blood Cross, Red Cross for so long because. Now that the American Red Cross has given out gift cards and gifts and demanding blood, what's happened? They're always needing it. It used to be like a duty, like a good thing, like you were doing this thing, and that's what people wanted, and now it's like incentivized and when, so I get I understand incentivizing loses purpose for the good that you actually feel. It's like it replaces the natural high of joy and care. With something tangibly money, which ties into the whole fame, fortune, ladder climbing collapse of what we're dealing with right now. So I get it. However, let's be transparent here. If you're working all day and you get two days off on the weekend to cram all of your other life into it. Or the after hours of that day. That you still have to do all the things a normal day takes to have a day. It's hard to say, hey, I'm going to go do a solid and go volunteer at this place for work. Because it feels good at the end and you're glad you did it. It's just like getting on a treadmill. Like, I should be on a treadmill right now. Holy crap, I've gained nine pounds. And I'm like, you drop. But I'm trying not to be mean to me. Me and me gotta be nice. We gotta be encouraging. We gotta say, "Now, now, it's okay. You got this. You got this. You're going to stop. Your awareness is the first step. And then you're going to step back and you're going to fix it. Okay. So it is something that you have to go above and beyond and push yourself to do when you're already pushing yourself to do a lot of things. There's one argument. It's the weakest one. The other one is when you're representing your company and volunteering. And you're actually volunteering and you're in that moment of joy and enjoyment because I'll tell you what, I, I really love when I get to go do volunteering stuff. Now, granted, I don't always feel like it. Some days I'm like, that's a hard pass, hard pass, hard pass. But I also started competing with it in my brain over. There's also mandatory events where you got to go sit at a table and get a meal and listen to a speaker, you know, all that work stuff you got to do. So a lot of times it feels like that, but, um, but no, when it's in the, when it's it's in the, when you're in that underbelly of scooping meals or cleaning whatever, and a lot of times you're not even directly with the people that are going to receive the care. I'm talking like I might be serving up plates at a fundraiser for other people that paid to have that because that money's going toward that thing you know what I mean it's not like I'm sitting there at a homeless shelter doing it no I'm saying like there's all kinds of ways you can volunteer or like you go to the food pantry and you help them pre-box everything and then you leave like there's there's all kinds of needs there because again I am I am overwhelmed with the amount of non-profits. Like if you just even flip on the TV and you watch like $19 a month for this and $19 a month for that. And would you give $3 a day for that? And I need, you know, for $11 you can have this. And every single one of them are valid, good thoughts. Except for that weird one where you got to like send the Jews food. And I don't know whatever that meant. But we have to have a better way because... When you know that you're like our country, for as wealthy and well off and great as we once were, should not have all of these problems. And it's not, it's because the misuse of our taxes. Like it's it's insanity, and I know I'm getting off on this. Th- Dang it, I get off on that too. But I think about it. I'm like, all these freaking nonprofits. If if we wanted to set a goal of America, like, all right, America, like Americans, we're gonna set our critical drivers and we're gonna make our goals. What would our goals be? One. Reallocate all of our funds to support Americans first, until we have no need for nonprofits. Think about that. No need for nonprofits because everything's covered. It's all funded. It's all done. I mean, shit, we're giving them half our money anyway. Let's say that that's one goal. Two would be that no child ever goes hungry or is cold. And then we also second that with veterans and people. I mean, there should not be any homeless in our country. And until there are no homeless, nobody else can come in. So if you really want other people to come in, we have to make sure that there's a place for them to come. Anyway, I'm going to, all right, back to my other, th- I'm going to stop that right now. Okay. So when you're wearing your company's shirt and you are with a team of your coworkers and you are working hard and you are sweating and you are doing the best job you can do because this was the task you were given and you know you want to be great at it because one you care and two you're representing two things happen. One You get to feel awesome because you did something awesome, and it always feels awesome. Two, you get to be with your coworkers. Some of them you don't even see. They're just the people that signed up. So you end up making new relationships and meeting new people that you normally wouldn't have worked beside. But then you get to admire their ethic and how they work, and you get to see them as people too, which helps you when you get back to work and you end up crossing paths with them or hearing their name in a meeting or something like that. But then here's the bonus. These people that needed you, that expected you. And sometimes there's more volunteers there from other companies and other places. Like you might show up and roll in and find out you're meeting six strangers you've never known. And they all got different company shirts on. Okay. When you're in that crosshairs together like that. Those people in those companies are saying, holy shit. That is a good person. I like that person. I now want to trust them in their job because if they work as hard at work as they do here, then they must be really good. So I want to be a part of that. And I'm going to believe in them and I'm going to trust them and I'm going to make them my whatever that is that your company does. Okay, I don't know if you're selling paper or you're whatever. So yes, it does matter. Because that is the best win-win-win marketing you could ever do. And people are not seeing that connection as anything to do with the conversation. They're worried about how you are punching exempt tracks or whatever the frick. I don't even know. And now there's, a, there's less volunteering. There's, le- there's people like, peace out, man. And, and I know that's the wrong thing. But at the same time, it's ex- it, th- you could volunteer every single day. And you're still going to need it the next week because it's a perpetual thing. And that's what tends to drive people away. And again, I know just incentivizing can be seen as wrong. But in this case, you're not incentivizing, you're investing. You're investing in a lot of people coming together to work to make that difference and to identify it. And it comes back tenfold in the relationships that are being built. From happiness within your employees... Or maybe it's not, you know, here's another side of this. A lot of times you can work with someone and then you're like, oh, oh who is this person? <laughs> like, like I've been in times where I've gone, whether it be through and it doesn't even need to be volunteering anywhere. Like I'm in meetings or I'm in discussions or I'm, and you see people and you're like, dang, I do not want to work with them or they are not the kind of person for me or how did they get this far or who hired them? <laughs> Like that's real too. And it helps you see that you will be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that came out of your mouth or I can't believe you didn't do that. Or aren't you going to help? Or where are you at? Like, Or they just have candid conversations cause they think they're in a boardroom where they can. And you're like, I don't like you. That's another telling thing too. So I was thinking about that. And, uh, I am so over, <sighs> like we're, we're, constantly being spoon-fed big serious problems that are happening from human trafficking and criminals crossing our borders and getting released from all those third world prisons and all of our money just being funneled out of this country to go embezzle through those like FTX and the cryptos and all of these corrupt swamp people and okay but now let's just take it down to where we are okay we're in you know I think of like Hunger Games, like we're District 9 or something, okay? So let's just get out of the swamp and and into where we have to be with each other while all this is being force-fed around us everywhere we go, like a Truman Show of like, ah! And no critical thinking being applied to it or common sense based on life experiences that don't add up to what that was or just because you have a good memory and you can remember Hey, you're making this a headline, but I heard that years ago. And then you can Google it and you find it. And you're like, yeah, I'm not crazy. You guys are making up news that was already news that you never changed. Like, So however you come to that realization, I have vowed to stick by my guns and not participate in bad. And by that I mean, yes, I will vent. Yes, I will say someone's not cool. And yes, I will sometimes be wrong and need to be corrected and learn differently through a perception that I didn't realize or a a vantage point I forgot. Because we all have a story. We all have a history. And we all have reasons and excuses. But bad behavior, regardless of the excuse, is still bad behavior. You know, I think it's funny that sometimes people will be like, rip ripping you away that just really hurts. Really hurts. And then it's just, well, they were having a bad day. And I'm like, you know, maybe they were having a bad day, but that's character having a bad day. That's not, you know, like, I, and I'll admit, I do get short sometimes and I feel so bad. Like if I'll make a sarcastic comment or a little snarky thing, and it's usually to my loved ones because I, I'm so comfortable with them. I'll immediately be like, dang, I'm so sorry. This is what I meant. And I shouldn't have said that because, because I, I've, I don't want to be in that club of people. And you know these people. Everyone does. Because we have to live among them because it's just enough to get by. It doesn't hold them back in life. And you realize there's someone you just don't trust. Uh, Okay, examples. Um, How about... The person who hides paperwork so that the other person who's been waiting on it misses their deadline. Or somebody knows how to do something, but they won't participate and help anyone because they think it's funny to watch some dumbass try and figure it out on their own. Or the person who totally badmouths somebody in ways that you just think aren't even kind or nice. And then 10 minutes later, you see them in the cafeteria laughing and asking how their kids are doing or, oh, there's so many people that cut you off and ride your ass just to show you, you dumb, you know, or some, I, I don't know the people that knowingly make decisions As a strategy to have someone else fail in a way that creates a negative perception of them to the others. If you want to make someone look stupid or you want to make someone look bad or you want to make someone like a setup. Like you set someone else up knowing that the outcome will be bad and you either gain from it or it's because you're entertained. Like those behaviors. I just don't I I just don't and I see it all around me in ways that just exhaust you because it's like where's the accountability of that and by that I mean because that's a broad stroked word I'm so sick of that word never mind take that word back (laughs) how do you uphold your values and not change who you are through behavior because others around you are doing it and they're getting away with it, especially when they can make such short-sighted decisions with the behavioral impact, like back to that, uh, HR law stuff that had to get, that they're, that companies are changing, not seeing. The magic that was lost in it is very similar to, like, again, I don't know why. I don't, and maybe, maybe I could be wrong and maybe I am wrong, but doggone it, back to reflecting on me. I know that I have a, a knack for seeing, like, if you do this, this happens, and then this happens because of that. Okay. And I like to listen to people and hear stories and hear authentic truth because that's where I can end up becoming creative and coming up with ideas and solutions and words and headlines and stories that can help more people come together on a common ground so that they can do something cool. Like, that's what I love. And So I was thinking, I was trying to figure out like, what's your analogy of how to not fall into it? How to not? Because I thought, Dadgum, if I used my my like whatever you call it, my connect the dots stuff I do that helps me, you know, advance in careers of experience and get into cool rooms and challenges and fun, and talk to all these amazing people, and get on all these planes, and fly around, and be asked your opinion, or go talk on a stage, or do that. It's like, what the what? I'm just some girl in my closet, sitting down, with my George effing straight (laughs) t-shirt. Not anything special, but apparently my mouth has gotten me into really cool memories to talk about, and explain and and validate, if anything, validate or verify that I may not be right, but I ain't wrong, you know? I don't know. So, (laughs) what if all those behaviors where you're... You know, I, I just thought of one. I remember sitting at a table with a fellow... Like, but I mean, like, this person, would, like, took it another level. Like, I haven't been media buying in five years. I haven't, I mean, I've started some early negotiations or, you know, turned things over or did stuff like that. But I haven't been, like, a media buyer, like, strategically working markets and calling DMA people and reps and Negotiating price and looking at ratings and deciding where to place my ad. Blah, 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 blah. It's been at least five years, and the five years of that were pretty mod, like minor, because it was just for a handful of people, not like where I used to do it, where I'd have like, you know, I'm spending millions of dollars on behalf of 15 clients across the whole country with, you know, different market sizes and G- you know, GRPs and all the blah blah blah. So I. I'm, I'm out of the game, but this was probably, I don't know, three years ago or so. I'm having lunch with a media buyer that's still active and not only active, but pretty big portfolio, like for being an individual with, with a company of under them, they were buying at least six markets. Ten million upwards, which it's impressive. So I was looking forward to this lunch. I was looking forward to finally sitting down with someone because where I was, I wasn't amongst that community anymore. I used to love calling up reps that were on the other end of the, the sale and just asking them all kinds of fun questions and learning all about their job and how they do it and and what they like best about their market and where they see the best return. You know, like just learning and and talking and. Um, that's usually how you get the best deals too, because you're friends and you trust each other and you know that what they're telling you is going to be good. But anyway, I hadn't been able to have that kind of conversation. I was like, Ooh, 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 yes, I want to have lunch with you. I have so many questions because I also heard about automated software buying and that was stuff that didn't happen for me. And then also when I got out of the industry, they were just starting to dabble in like OTT and YouTube and social and placement that way. I was always more like traditional with digital being like cable and stuff. So I was just fascinated how they scale it now and do volume and just to learn. And she basically let me know that she had a client who had been talking with me because I was over in a market and I could help them, but it wasn't You know, I'm like I said, I wasn't structured to do any of it, but I said, yeah, sure. You know, input insight, I could help with some, you know, local buying or something, and use it in my co-op because I was trying to build a local community co-op of buying, so that we could get some power together to put small companies on bigger maps. Uh, Like for instance, if our DMA was a really large one, so unless you did targeted specific zone marketing, which at the time was really limited. You really couldn't get their voice out as much as you would like. So I was trying to group by and then run the ads as my traffic across like separate industries. Like, so for instance, I might buy one campaign through the media, but I would pull together three commercials and then use them in rotation through the space so that everyone got enough. Um, concentration in that market to be exposed, but they still shared the buy. So that's what I was doing for people. And it it worked really well. Like it was like cooking, but anyway, I was talking with her and, um, she had a big client, big client, but he was starting out new ventures in communities and, uh, they were just small, you know, like a, like a diner here, you know, a, um, a little retail store back front, you know, like helping small investors start companies, things like that. Well, she was like, I'm not, I'm not pissing around with it. I'm so she basically had this lunch. I thought we were going to just shoot shop, you know, and it was to let me know that she was going to let me have her clients little startup projects because they weren't profitable and once I got to know the client and how scatterbrained they were, like not scatterbrained, that was my word, but like all over the place, she was like, y- you're, you're going to know exactly why I don't want it. It was like, it was piddly to her. She didn't want it. And I shut down at that point And I was like, I don't like you. And the reason why was because this was literally breaking bread together. And she didn't think twice about what she was saying. But she was basically saying, I don't want the scraps. You can have the scraps. And good luck to you. (laughs) And uh, my client isn't that fun to work with. And I had had the total opposite impression. My thought was, man, they've got like 15 irons in the fire. And they got a lot of people around them that really aren't that helpful, even though they pretend to be. And now I'm hearing... you don't care about all this cool stuff that's going to be like startup. Like I love starting from zero and seeing how far we can take it. I also love helping companies that want to go from good to great, but I also love helping companies get good. So I was like, I'm down for this. Let's try it out and see what goes. And I know there's going to be work. I know you got to roll your sleeves up, but you always have to do that when you're starting something new and then you get it to ride on its own. And then you get somebody to learn it and want to do it and do the day to day. And then you move on to the next thing. That's the way it works. But then to add insult to injury, let's fast forward a couple months. We're getting some traction. We're doing good stuff. It's working out. Seeing, you know, growth and engagement and some success. You know, it's very small budgets, but made it work, stretched it, did some creative things. Because a lot of times it's not the media, it's actually the message. That's the thing that's the most important thing of all things. It's not only where you put it, but it's what you say. Because even if you put it in the right place and you say something stupid, it ain't going to matter. So it's always a message. And you get that through authentically listening. It's, like, so easy. Anyway, I don't know why it's so hard. I shit you not. She goes to me. I see her. We're at the same, like, gathering meeting thing of all businesses. All of his managers are there. She looks over to me, like, quietly. She says... How do you make money? I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I don't even know what you must be doing, but do you realize I make more money on one Today Show commercial than you probably make in a whole month posting things on Facebook? I said, no, but thank you. I hope you really help him sell a lot of stuff on the Today Show. I thought, you son of a bitch. And then she also let me know one time that she had talked to him and uh, had some news and some edits to give me for one of the websites I was building for a second venture he had. And I believed her. My dumb ass believed her. Fucking believed her. And I actually put in the midnight oil and restructured it and changed the framing and made some new, like, I, like, moved around the categorization of how I structured, like, the drop-downs, like, categories. And I got a question of, why did you do that? (laughs) Touche. Anyway, that's, that's just one random one I... I was thinking about the other people, like the ones that like just do little little sabotages here and there to just watch people fall. But the worst of all are the ones that I know people don't like them. And then when they get together in a room, they act like they like them. Oh, that drives me nuts. That fake pretend stuff. Like, oh. It's like, no, I think you guys should work out your issues so that you're not two-facing them. Talking out of both sides of your mouth. So anyway, let's put all those people together in one category. All of them. Put them all in one category. Let's say you're walking through life. You know, the people that leave the carts out there. Just floating around, hitting cars. I was watching uh, Love After Lockup. And there's this one part where the girl's man gets out. And she's been sitting by the road. And she's got his new outfit ready. And he literally is so excited. They're like grabbing on each other and doing all this appropriate love and stuff. And then he literally changes out of his sweats and his, you know, jail suit and throws on the other suit and then leaves all of the stuff laying on the street and they drive off. And he's like, fuck that shit. Now, again, I, I couldn't even imagine living in a zoo, which it's a zoo. It's a human zoo of cages. And some people should be there. Some people should not be there. Whole nother mess of bullshit and badness. And that's, Oh, it's, it's a horrible system, horrible, but there's also horrible people. So there's, it's a very complex, complex thing. Meanwhile, though, this guy just littered all of his stuff with his girlfriend going, ha ha. Hey baby. while she's in an outfit with her boobs hanging out and they litter. So Lee put them in there. That's just, come on, man, throw it in the back of the car. Those that continually make our world worse, which makes us need nonprofits, which makes us that, that, just to figure out that, those people. Let's say, instead of choosing bad behaviors, the things that are coming out of them that continually make our world not a better place could be similar to, and this, this is probably a bad one, but I was thinking of everybody just taking a shit. Which, by the way, that's become a thing. My daughter even told me, at her local gas station, somebody had taken a shit in the aisle and she had to go tell the cashier and she thought the cashier was mad because now he had to deal with it. So he probably already knew it was there. San Francisco has a shit map. There's a map in San Francisco where they're tracking shit, like Waze. You know, like the GPS thing, Waze? Yeah, they have a map where people put down, yep, shit, shit, shit. So you can pull up the shit map. Chicago actually has a murder map. You can pull it up right now and see every place somebody got shot so you know where to go. So you don't run into that. Anywho's, let's say instead of doing those little sabotage things and showing your real character versus having a bad day, those kinds of people that just get by in life and keep getting promoted and keep moving in the rooms, keep being around, keep being tolerated, keep being set. The ones that have truly bad character. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't, but they decided, fuck this, I'm playing the game too. And they just played the game too. Oh, that's the most disappointing of all. But let's say the difference of us why you don't get into it. Why you don't cave, why you still hold true to how you behave and don't behave badly just because somebody else is, okay? Let's say every time somebody's doing some thing that they know will intentionally hurt another person, it's like they just took a shit on the floor. Loosen up the pant leg, brrr, let it all roll out. There it went, boom, shit on the floor. Now, what if I decided, oh, yeah, you shit on the floor? Fine, I'll shit on the floor. And then I shit on the floor. Because believe me, if I want to use my powers for bad, oh, I could shit among shits. I could sit there and doot, 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 do, and be like, oh, <laughs> you're still shitting on the floor. It doesn't help anything. It's so bizarre to me that people continually put their their beliefs, their integrity, their values. And I know it seems petty and I know it seems little. And people think it's not a big deal. But it truly is. Because it starts here. I saw somebody put on a social thing. Save your county, save your country. It's absolutely right. Save your county. Save your country. We've got city people elected, county people elected, school boards elected, that are following suit, that are saying, yeah, well, this is what the big laws said, so we're going to change our policies, and now we have to change what we're doing, and now we have to get litter boxes, and now we have to do... No, you don't. They saw that shitting on the floor works, and now they're shitting on the floor. They saw... Oh, if I act like my congressman or I act like my senator or I act like whatever and I do it at my city level and I wear my nice little red ties and I wear my big old long tweed jackets and pull up and I'm like, dude, you still go to the same god dang. We need to not have the caste system at a local level because we're all just blue collar folk anyway. Jeez Louise. So nuts. So nuts. Anyway. I don't know where I'm even going with all of this, but I had to get it out of my brain. Thank you. Thank you for getting this out of my brain. Now I'm going to go back to watching some squirrels. I'm going to make a new cup of coffee. I have four cardinals with spouses who continually come to our tree and are. we have a bird feeder that's stuck to our window and they, they're starting to be just chill while I'm sitting there looking out the window at them. They're just sitting there eating, looking at me. And it's gorgeous. And I've learned just from watching them, which I always thought, how do people learn anything from watching them? Like I've read that book where the crawdads sing and I'm thinking, how did she learn all that just from observation? But it is. Life is observation. Oh, my gosh. Everything is observation. An application of what you observed for the better and the good. Anyway, these four couples travel together. One Red card, like, and then within the tree, the red cardinal guys, because you can tell when all the leaves are gone and the snow's out, I mean, they just pop. They're like a red berry in this white canvas. Each dude bird stays at a different level of the tree, facing a different direction. So, like, one faces north, one faces east, one faces west, one faces south, and they're all at different levels of the trees and different heights. And then the women all get down and they feed and they have their seeds. Is that not the coolest thing ever? Like I'm just, I love cardinals. And now I really love cardinals because I'm thinking friends or family. I don't know if it's four brothers. I don't know if it's four dudes that are like, Hey, uh, we're going to hang here and build our nests. Yeah. I don't know how it all works, but cardinals mate for life and they look out for each other. And the man is the bright red one so that he is seen and she is lighter and colored. So she blends in and is hidden but she's still pretty. She's got a nice little red thing, like a little flare. But he's saying, hey, take me out first. I'm like, isn't that just such a sweet love story? Anyway, have a great day. And there you have it, another episode of Oh Hey Heather. I hope it has made you think of a story of your own, or how you can relate to this one, or if anything, just something you could enjoy. Thanks everyone and have a great one.